Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Happy Healthy You. And now here's Connie. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm your host, Connie Bowman. Thank you so much for listening for the past three years, if you've been a regular listener. And if you're a new listener, welcome. We talk about everything that can help us live whole lives in mind, body, and spirit. And today, I'm so excited to have Stephanie D'Alfonso. She is a soul sister. I can just, I, I feel it. I feel it. We don't really know each other, but we'll, we're getting to know each other as we talk on this podcast. She's an intuitive healer and she's a coach. She's also a yoga teacher like me. We have that in common. She helps people get to their true self, which is so cool. How much do we, I speak for myself, I want to get to my true self. Um, there's so much stuff that covers up uh, with layers of you, the stuff that is thrown at us from this culture and this stressful world that we live in, that we need yoga, we need meditation, we need to eat well, we need to do all these things just to peel away the uh, the grime that uh, happens to us on a daily basis. So I'm so excited to talk to Stephanie today. So we have one other thing in common. She is also a voice talent. She was the first voice of the produce belt. Stephanie, <laughs> before you before you even say anything, can you give us a little sample of what, what that meant? If we went into a grocery store, what would we hear? Move your bananas to the belt. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to think about you every time I uh, buy produce now. That's so exciting. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Connie. And I do feel like we're soul sisters, definitely. And I love what you were just saying about stripping away all the, the grime because it goes back centuries to Michelangelo who said that the statue is already there inside the stone. All I have to do is chip away what doesn't belong and reveal its magnificence. And so that's the work that we do. Mm, yeah, yeah. And that's the work of, you know, all the great healers, really. We are all just diamonds, diamonds. And and I guess the pressure is really, the pressure that we're feeling is just making us shine brighter in the in the. Uh, in the end, I guess. Yeah, right? in the in the end, but it's a you know it's a lifelong process until until we take our last breath. We always have that opportunity to turn up the brilliance a little bit more. Right, right. And you have a particular interest in helping people overcome something that's so common nowadays. I hear it so often: stress, anxiety, and fear. I mean, from it doesn't matter what age you are, people are talking about this more often, which is a beautiful thing, because I think it was something that people did not talk about, that this life is really hard, and there's a lot of stress, and it manifests in anxiety, and uh, and then the fear of, you know, even going out of the house for some people is debilitating. So talk about your work with that, and let's just dive into that and see if we can um, give people some hints for making things a little bit easier and helping get to that true self, that immortal diamond, as Richard Rohr calls it. Well, the first thing I would say is to anybody who's listening, 
no matter you know where you are in your uh, relationship with stress, anxiety, and fear, to be courageous only takes one step. It doesn't mean that if you, you know, have been paralyzed with fear and unable to leave your home for a certain period of time, it doesn't mean, okay, now we're going to leap ahead to you being able to go anywhere you want. It's taking it, taking baby steps. So wherever you are, you can simply take a little step. And that little step could be reaching out to a friend or a loved one and saying, I'm really struggling. It could be reaching out to a professional. But it only takes, you know, that uh, old proverb of a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Yeah. So to be courageous and know that you don't have to do it all in, in one, you know, big leap, that you can just start wherever you are. And I really came to stress, anxiety, and fear because for 10 years I had a office um, as a hypnosis clinic. And I really came to understand that the root of all the issues that we were dealing with were stress, anxiety, and fear. That that is what informs everything else. So if somebody would come to me for a fear of highway driving, there was, you know, it's almost always rooted in childhood. You know, whatever our adult issues are, is they're almost always rooted in childhood. And I've been, you know, I've been saying this for so long, but, you know, people would just like their eyes would glaze over and like, all right, yeah, yeah, Steph, here she goes again. But now, Connie, there's research that proves it. Yeah. Um, there is the ACEs study, which was uh, stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences, mm-hmm. and it was done by Kaiser Permanente and uh, the Center for Disease Control. So, you know, well, well respected research. And they had 17,000 adults fill out this survey, ask 10 questions about their childhood. And the higher you score on this test, the greater the chances that you're going to, as an adult, have physical or emotional dis-ease. And it was mind-blowing because they'd say, okay, you have you know, a higher score in childhood. Oh, you have diabetes. You had a higher score in childhood. Oh, you have cardiac distress. It was absolutely fascinating to see mm-hmm. that you know, what I knew intuitively and from my work, now I get to see it like it's actual research proving it. Right. And so many times it takes so many steps to get from that original uh, wound or trauma to the dis-ease, as you call it, that is happening in our adult life. And um, I've talked to so many people about it. Now in this culture, we do seem to be, we're evidence-based. Everything has to be scientifically researched. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, for me, it's a no-brainer. Right. Intuitively, you know. Right, right. So let's talk about some of the, uh, we'll start with stress. What are some of the... um, the physical manifestations of stress and you know as as a yoga teacher you see it you see it in your students when their shoulders are up to their ears and they can't do a twist because their backs are like ropes you know Mm -hmm. they're they're knotted in ropes so um we have those uh physical symptoms uh in the breath work you know and in yoga we do so much breath work and when we are stressed we're not being able to do those deep breaths our breaths are really shallow high up in our chest so that as we start to learn different breath techniques um and you know uh, yoga informs so much of my life and and so much of what i do in my practice as we bring these principles in and the key to me in my mind connie is that we need to do these on a daily basis Mm -hmm. that 
we teach our kids to brush their teeth every day as a preventative measure to prevent getting cavities. But we don't teach kids how to know coping skills or strategies and techniques to, you know, keep the stress bucket at a lower level. Uh, when I <laughs> when I had my office. I really don't like emptying the trash. I've pretty well trained my husband that he takes the trash out in the house, but in the office, it was up to me. So I would stuff it down and stuff it down until it got, you know, almost to overflowing. And we do that with our stress and anxiety. Mm, that's a really good analogy. I like that. Yeah. It's, it is like the stuff down trash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then when we don't know how to empty it out, that's when we go into full blown panic attacks or, mm. you know, anxiety attacks. So when we we empty it out a little bit every day, then it doesn't have a chance to fill up to overflowing. Mm, yes. And the yogis call that attending to the more subtle, uh, subtle things rather than letting them come to the gross and more, right. more painful. But yeah. But our society is you know, really trained that we don't listen to the whispers, right. that we wait for the two by four up against our head. Right, right. And then if we move into anxiety, anxiety can manifest, uh, can, you can come into full-blown depression, which can, yeah. can take a much longer time to sort of chip away at. So maybe talk about that a little bit. I mean, anxi anxiety is rampant in this <laughs> in this culture, but, um, yeah, yeah. well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll only step onto my soapbox for a moment or two, okay. if you'll allow me. <laughs> um, it's uh, so much of it right now is driven by technology. Mm. Like I love certain aspects of technology. I don't love that. You know, we, they, again, go into some research. Kids are on screen nine hours a day, not including homework. That's insanity to me because I remember I'm going to date myself. Um, my kids are grown now. They're um, in their 20s. And when my daughter was only four years old, so this is uh, she's turning 28. So 20, 24 years ago, the neighbor down the street had one of the very first handheld video, handheld video games. And I was like, I don't think that's very good because he's not interacting with the other kids. And so I have watched this whole generation, this whole iteration of how, you know, not just kids, but us adults have gotten more and more attached to our devices where it's like we're constantly pressing the speed, um, the accelerator in the car down. That's like, to me, that's what the difference is between stress and anxiety is, you know, in terms of driving a car, stress is when you're punching down the gas, when you're getting on the highway and you want to go anxiety is you're not lifting your foot up you are just pressing that that accelerator down 24 7 and not giving yourself a break from it mm -hmm. and the uh not only developing into depression but the toll that it takes on the physical body is is just really staggering actually do you want to talk about that a little bit Yes, if you look at um, one of my medical heroes is Dr. John Sarno, who, you know, probably about, I don't know, 15 years ago or so now, wrote the book Healing Back Pain. And he's a medical doctor. He's not a, you know, a non-credential doctor. He's a medical doctor in New York City. He wrote this book and he said, uh, guess what, folks? All back pain is related to emotions. Oh boy, oh boy, did the medical community rise up in uproar against him. But he claims uh, Howard Stern is 
uh, like one of his biggest fans, and he claims that Dr. John Sarno is why he doesn't have back pain anymore. And uh, Dr. Sarno himself has claimed that many people have read this book and been cured of their back pain. That's it, like just reading the book. Now, I was not one of those. I, you know, I had to take a little bit longer of a path. But um, there's somebody I know locally in our town who her husband had told me, she said her husband had knee pain. And I said, "Hmm, go read this book, another one by Dr. John Sarno called The Divided Mind. And he says, if you have back pain and you go to the chiropractor and they get relief, it's going to pop up somewhere else. And so... As I'm reading this book, The Divided Mind, I realize I don't have neck pain anymore, but boy, I have pain in my knee. And so here's this medical doctor who's saying, your emotions are what's driving this physical pain. So when we can get to the root, and that's the important part, is getting to the root issue. Once that's healed, you can be free of the pain. Yeah, yeah. I just came out of a five-day intensive uh, yoga teacher training and we worked with that and I I, I actually one of one of the sessions I started with back pain <laughs> and it was ah. it was just a subtle back pain it wasn't anything really serious but it came it, it full you know after the full session it the emotion behind it arose and I was able to free it and now it's gone so I I How- totally believe in that Totally. Yes, and, and what a wonderful experience mm-hmm. for you because you you have that conscious awareness of it. Yeah. And what a gift now that A, you were able to share that with everybody who's listening, but B, also in your yoga teaching, then you will be able to impart that gift to some of your students as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and let's just move into fear because I, I was... Uh... I was listening to a speaker talk about how the biggest fear in our culture is fear of public speaking, which I'm not sure if that's the biggest fear. I mean, isn't there fear of death? Isn't that kind of bigger? I mean, actually, it's not when you get right down to it. Okay, talk about fear. It's amazing because in the U.S. and, you know, again, they've done research studies on this in the U.S. Fear of public speaking is number one. Fear of death is number two. In the U.K., though, it's switched in the U.K., Fear of death is number one. Fear of public speaking is number two. I think they might be smarter in the UK because it seems like <laughs> it seems like a little more serious than public speaking to me. But whatever. Yeah, but that's because you and I are natural talkers. Mm-hmm. You and I have this incredible comfort in talking. But uh, fear of public speaking. Any time I have worked with somebody for fear of public speaking, it almost always goes back to childhood. Whether it was. Um, a three-year-old who was nervous because she was going out for her first dance recital, and this is, you know, true story from a client, uh, to, you know, somebody who was in first grade up at the blackboard, and the teacher was shaming her in front of the rest of the class. Mm. So these become these root issues, and then every time something like that happens again, it reinforces that initial event so that ultimately you get to that point in adulthood when it just, whoa, it, it's, you know, mm-hmm. really just blows up. And then you're desperate and you, you know, come to me and, and look for help. The beautiful thing is, um, 
Albert Einstein said, you know, years ago, he said that a problem cannot be solved at the same level of consciousness that created it. So we create the issue, the problem in the conscious mind. Well, the only way to really heal that is to heal it with the subconscious mind. Yes, yes. And in yoga, we call those wounds uh, samskaras. Yes. And, and they might rise up while we're doing some kind of a yoga move. And uh, and then our job is just to sit sit and notice with uh, equanimity, not not creating a new samskara with it. But right. but you have so many tools. And I want to talk to talk about each of the tools that you have in your toolbox, because some of them I know about, but some of them I really don't. Um, and the first one, I noticed you uh, have an expertise in tapping. Are you, um, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that's a fascinating modality. Oh my gosh. Conning, tapping is what led me into where I am and what I'm doing now. No lie. My last radio job, um, I was a celebrity radio DJ, which is back when I was doing the voiceovers. Oh yeah, I forgot Uh, about that. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. Yeah. Yes, I was Stevie Knox in South Florida. Stevie Knox. And my last job was when we were living in Portland, Oregon, and I was doing the morning show. So I had two kids. My son was still in diapers, and I was getting up at 3.30 in the morning. Do you think that messed with my sleep a little bit? (laughs) You betcha. So I uh, got done that show, and my sleep was just a wreck. So I went to the doctor, like what most people do, went to the doctor, got a prescription, the medicine worked, then the medicine didn't work, which created an even worse situation. And I'm on this cutting-edge technology teleclass, When Gary Craig, this Stanford-trained engineer, is talking about emotional freedom techniques or tapping and how you can – it's very similar to acupuncture, but you're self-applying it. There's no needles involved. You're simply tapping on these specific points. And by doing this, you can (laughs) – any emotion, you can bring down the intensity. So they're using tapping at VA hospitals now for mm-hmm. returning soldiers that have post-traumatic stress disorder. You can teach tapping to kids. When I had my office, I had a, a little teddy bear called Tappy Bear so that I could teach kids the different tapping points so that they could learn how to deal with their stress and anxiety. And when you teach a kid coping skills, it changes the whole trajectory of their lives so um when i had my i had my my own podcast i don't can it's not you know still in uh, being recorded but i have you know episodes that are up there my first two uh, episodes were interviews with gary craig the founder of eft because the man changed my life wow wow yeah i've heard that it's very powerful and i've tried it but i don't really know how to do it maybe you could just lead us through a just a short for like, uh, for for example, if if I were getting up to um, one of my <laughs> things in the back of my head is, hmm, maybe I'll do a TED talk one day. It scares the shit out of me. Awesome, awesome, <laughs> so awesome. Give me and a little t- tapping. Thank you, because you just saying that just made somebody listen and go, oh, thank God. So awesome. <laughs> so Connie, um, I'll do this with you, and then ask you know you listeners to to as well. When you think about that. Zero to ten, zero is not at all. Ten is through the roof. How much is that fear as you think about it right now? Oh, 11 and a half. Okay, awesome. So listeners, think of something, whether it's something that scares you or something that happened recently where you got really stressed and then give it that number, zero to ten, as you're feeling it now. Not when it happened, but as you're feeling it now. 
And then we'll just do a short version of this, Connie and listeners. Take your dominant hand, so it doesn't matter if you're using your left hand or right hand, uh, but take your index finger and your middle finger and tap right between your eyebrows continuously and very gently. And as you're doing that, say, letting it go. And Connie, you want to say it out loud? Oh, letting out loud? It go. Oh, I was saying it in my head. Okay, letting it go. And then you're going to take the fingers and go to the outside of your eye. Again, it doesn't matter if you're going down the left side or the right side, just whatever's uh, natural to you. On the outside of the eye on the bone, tap there continuously saying, letting it go. Letting it go. Letting it go. Is there a number of times I should say it? No, you can just say it once. And it doesn't matter. I used to, you know, have it like you count how many times you tap. It doesn't really matter. Um, Now move to the middle under your eye on your cheekbone. Again, just tapping nice, gently. You don't want to get black and blue marks. Just tap there gently and say, letting it go. Letting it go. And now you're going to take your whole hand. And Connie, I'm going to ask you to not do this because of the microphone. But the rest of you, go ahead and tap on your collarbone where you would knot a tie. Just tap with your whole hand there continuously. And again, saying, letting it go. And then you're going to take your hand and squeeze, gently squeeze your other wrist as you take a nice breath in and out. And then extend your hands out in front of you and say, peace. And Connie, say it, peace. Peace. And then check in and see what number is it now, Connie? If it was an 11 and a half, where are you now? Two. Awesome. Two, awesome. definitely. So then um, we could either do another round of tapping and take it to a zero or you may say, you know what, I think I want to keep it at a two because that's going to give me a little bit of an edge as I do this TED Talk. Yeah. So that was something that um, Gary Craig, um, he, he retired, but then now he came out of retirement. When he was you know, pre-retirement, he would do these trainings. And I trained with him three times. He'd have like 500 of us in a ballroom. And he'd have somebody up as the... Um, as the uh, subject up in the front of the room and he would always have them go to a zero. So that's how I started. But then in my practice, I began to understand that people don't always want to go to a zero. If you're really, really pissed off at, at your boss or a relative who really did something horrible to you, maybe you don't want to totally let go of that anger. But if you're feeling it at an 11 and a half and you can bring it down to a three, you just improved your life exponentially. Mm, For sure. Yeah. We just want to bring down that uh, sympathetic nervous system so that it's, it's realistic because I think a lot of us are so entrained with that limbic brain, that uh, fight or flight just because of the fast-paced world that we live in, that we naturally uh, go there when it's not really necessary. We don't have tigers chasing us every day. Right. So maybe a little bit of stress is good. It'll get us through that TED Talk. (laughs) But um, yeah, yeah. And I'll hold the space for you in the TED Talk, sister, okay? Oh, thank you, thank you. So um, (laughs) I know you have so many other tools and they're on your website and we'll give all your information at the end, but... And hypnosis, I want to talk about that. But what is your favorite tool to work with clients for eliminating fear and anxiety? Whichever one is the right one for that client at that moment. So you customize for each one. Yeah, literally, that's not like me being cheeky. It's that at at some point, and I can't really identify it, because you know how sometimes things just transpire, and then like you kind of in hindsight go, 
Oh, when did that happen? So at some point, I used to have a set system. You know, we would do this, then we would do mm-hmm. this, then we would do this. And, and that's how the sessions would go. And at some point, I leaned in. I did a trust fall into my intuition. And so I now show up and I'm a blank slate. It's, you know, maybe I'm guided uh, to pull an angel card. Like I always check in before I start a session. I'm, I'm already checking in and connecting with the client's energy. So maybe I'm guided to pull an angel card for them or an essential oil, which essential oils mm-hmm. um, are just amazing, like, mm-hmm. you know, on a physical level, but also on the emotional, spiritual level. So I'll be guided to draw And then I'll get on the call with the client and say, all right, this is what came up. What's going on? And they almost always either start crying or, oh, my gosh, how did you know that? So it's, you know, this is one of the reasons why I'm so blessed that I have this this teacher mind where I love to teach, but also I love to learn so that because I have so many different tools at my disposal, I can I know I can always find something that's going to work for you. Mm. Beautiful. I love that you use angel cards. I've actually done that in yoga. If I if I have like one person show up for a class, which happens sometimes, especially in the beginning when I was just starting, I would just pull a card. I keep a few deck, different kinds of decks, and then we I'd pull three cards, and, that, and then that would inform my practice. And nine times out of ten, the uh, student would say, "Wow, that was exactly what I needed today, and this is why." And it was pretty cool. <laughs> okay, so uh, you said that, and I reached over and grabbed my favorite deck okay. and pulled one. Oh, so this may be have something to do with you, Connie. It may be for somebody who's listening, but I pulled. This is out of. Um, literally this is i have so many different decks but this is my favorite and has been for years it's a doreen virtue daily guidance from your angels love her uh deck and i pulled the child card Mm -hmm. you care deeply about children and they readily respond to your love all children including your own inner child require love affection and attention we can clear and open your heart and and schedule so that you can move time and energy for the children who need you. So whether that speaks to you, Connie, or someone else who's listening, uh, you know, I can never make this stuff up. There's 44 cards in this deck. And always when the cards come up, it's exactly because that's the message that somebody needed to hear. So can I share this with you? I have been writing children's books. I I you I sometimes I think because I'm meditating more, I wake up in the morning and I just hear a title or I hear a line of a book and I'm just kind of going with it. And I have this file on my computer that's just a whole bunch of children's books. Awesome. <laughs> I I that I felt like that was just for me. I'm not sure where they're going, whether I'm going to publish them myself or somebody else might be interested, but that's yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Very cool. So it could be for someone else too. So essential oils. I also enjoy using essential essential oils. Do you have some of your favorites or again, you customize them to your clients? Oh my gosh. As I'm sitting here, Connie, and I look, I have probably 60 bottles within arm's reach um, because there's, you know, I use them for myself. I use them with all of my clients. Um, Again, It's not because I think that's the only way to go. But when we can layer in all these different ways of assisting us, Mm -hmm. it makes it so much easier to change. Yeah, yeah. 
And right? you so, never know what's no. going to be the, that sort of uh, motivating thing because it's hard to change. <laughs> it really is hard to change, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure I would go with that. I recently wrote a blog about that, actually. Okay. I'd um, love to have that conversation because I just went to a funeral yesterday and, and uh, we sort of had this conversation about people who... Um, you know, for one reason or another, can't change certain habits or can't change, um, you know, things that might lead them to a happier or healthier life and, you know, what, what to do about that. Yeah, that's kind of the $64,000 question that I've always had in my life. And when I make, you know, the transition to the other side, I really want the answer to why are some people just absolutely unable. It's not that they're unwilling, but unable to make a change in their lives. I don't, I don't understand that. And I don't have the answer because, you know, for, uh, you know, I'm not saying, Oh, Lord, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. And I know that, you know, how to do change. I don't work on myself. I have other healers that I have help me with my stuff. And yet I am able to, you know, chip away at some stuff. And, you know, I think that until, I take my last breath, I'll still be chipping away. But then there there really are some people who they want to change, but there's something that they just can't. And I don't know if, you know, again, I don't have the answer for that, but I suspect I'm thinking right now, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm thinking about my mother who she was a seeker. She was, you know, she was trying to find the answers and she could never, ever get past her issues. Um, and she's passed on now. And I think, I don't know, you know, what happened in her childhood, but I know she was very, very, very wounded in her childhood. And so I suspect that that could be the root of why some people just can't change. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the other thing you, and you touched on it in the beginning, um, we, and you use that term chip away at, but we come to our yoga mats, we come to a, uh, any kind of a meditation practice or to someone like you to work long term on this change. And it takes time to make certain changes in our lives. It, and most people don't have the patience in this culture. So. Not in this society, not in right. this society. And I love that you used the word work because mm-hmm. um, I recently switched uh, yoga studios and oh my gosh, I'm so thrilled because I, for years, um, it was convenient. I was stuck. I was stuck in a ruck. And in this, it's hard to change blog that I just wrote. I talked about this because I kept going to this, what I call Mick yoga studio. Mm, okay. It was just about the physical practice. Like mm-hmm. there was my yoga mentor, I I had met her there, she used to teach there, and she would bring in all the other limbs of yoga and the pranayama and the spiritual um, philosophies. But when she left, that was it at this Mick Yoga studio. It was just the physical asanas. And I kept telling her, you know, oh, it's, this isn't working for me. And so finally, an incident happened and uh, caused me to say, okay, I have to find a new studio. And I found this wonderful new mentor who talks all the time about the work that we're doing, the work mm-hmm. that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But in our society, work can sometimes seem like a dirty word, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't want to have to work for something. We want to press the easy button. But 
the work doesn't have to be hard and I don't think it has to take a long time. This is where, um, you know, I can kind of you know, ruffle some feathers, but, you know, I'm not a big fan of talk therapy because it's happening at the conscious level. And I truly believe that, you know, real healing takes place at the subconscious level and that, you know, I've met people. I can think of this one woman in particular who has been seeing the same therapist for 20 years. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads us into hypnosis, which is another one of your tools. Do you want to talk about the value of using that for making these these more uh, difficult changes? Well, and, um, you know, again, the kind of hypnosis that I do is, you know, therapeutic. It's not like stage hypnosis, you know, bark like a dog, look like a chicken. But I also did find that some people, a certain percentage of people were drawn to hypnosis because they didn't want to do the work. They wanted the easy button. They wanted me to fix them in one session. And like, no, 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 no. I, you know, no, I'm not going to do one session because, you know, maybe, hey, we could very potentially have a breakthrough in one session and it happens a lot, but we've got to have the backup to sustain it. So we break the old pattern, we install the new healthy improved patterns, and then really the absolute key to me, Connie, is learning strategies and techniques to sustain the changes so that even when life throws us a curveball and we know it's going to, we have a way to steady ourselves and prevent ourselves from sliding back into the old patterns. I think of it as tree pose. When I learned tree pose uh, in my you know, basics yoga class, I remember the teacher saying a wobbly tree is a good tree. When you're doing tree pose, you're not stick still. You're wobbling. So with hypnosis and all these other strategies and techniques, we make the changes, but then we've got to have a way of finding our way back into balance or boom, you know, how many people do we know who, you know, they've been sober for 10 years and then life throws them the curveball and they're back in the bottom of the bottle. Right, right. Do you, can you talk about some examples of how you've worked with um, fear or anxiety with clients? Of course, not mentioning any names. And, yeah, yeah. And how... Um, Yeah, just some success stories, maybe for somebody who's sitting out there thinking this might be for me, but I'm, you know, I'm afraid to jump into the, the deep water there. Okay, so um, when we're done, um, Connie, you can check this out. But listeners, you can check out SheConquersFear.com and you will see, and her name is on on the the, web page. I had one of those whispers that you mentioned earlier, Connie, where I uh, was on my mat and during Shavasana, I heard she conquers fear. And I was like, whoa. And I had to go, you know, check and see if the domain was available because that morning I had seen pictures on Facebook of this client who five years ago at the age of 19 had come to me with this paralyzing fear of flying. Their family was going on a wonderful, uh, spring break uh, vacation to Mexico and she was not going on that plane. Oh, I'm not going, I'm not going. And so the mother was with her at the first appointment and she said, oh, we know exactly when it happened. And I said, maybe, maybe not. And we did the work. And sure enough, it was not where they thought it, it happened. It was something else entirely. And then five years later, here on Facebook and now on this SheConquersFear.com page, pictures of this beautiful young woman, Sarah, jumping out of an airplane, skydiving. And then oh the next God. day, there's a picture of her 
co-piloting a little small plane. And she now has a business called the Five Foot Traveler. She has traveled to all seven continents in this world because she was courageous enough to say, I don't want to live with this fear anymore. That's amazing. That's amazing. So she took her wound and sort of turned it into her bliss, really. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It it totally changed her life. And then the other other client that's coming into mind right now is my sweet little Nana. Oh, my God, I loved her. I fall in little in love with almost every client I have. But this woman, what a piece of my heart she has. She was 82 years old. So she's the oldest person I've worked with so far. And she had seen an article in the local paper um, promoting a health uh, health fair that was coming up. And they interviewed me. And I mentioned that hypnosis was very effective with irritable bowel syndrome. So this sweet little Nana came to the health fair just to meet me. And then she came to work with me. 82 years old, she had had enough of her stress and anxiety, and this went back directly to her childhood where she was either, um, it was either during the war or post-war in Germany. And so she had this whole lifetime of stress and anxiety, so much so that she had, you know, these uh, uncomfortable GI issues. And at 82 years old, she was courageous enough to say, no, 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 I'm not going to live like this anymore. So then after we were done working together, I got an email from her. Uh, She's very devout Catholic, and she would do readings at the morning mass. And she said, oh, I wanted to let you know that this morning I realized I was reading the wrong thing. And for the very first time in my life, I didn't care. Like, can you imagine this 82-year-old wow. woman saying, you know what, I want, to, I want to feel what it's like to be free. Yeah, that's beautiful. It, what a great example of it's never too late. Never, ever. Yes, and that's why I think that's why, you know, aside from the fact she was just, just adorable, you know, it's like so deep in my heart that this woman, what a shining example. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Gosh, Stephanie, that's cool. That's so cool. I'm sure you have so many other stories, but uh, I'm sure I feel like our listeners probably need your information so they can go to your website and check out all the good work you do and hopefully get in touch with you. So okay, how, thanks. How can we do that. Um, you can go to my website, which is stephaniedelfonso.com. Hopefully you'll write that out in the show notes, Connie. And then um, if you want a little taste of it, you know, talked about the coping skills. I have um, four coping skills that you can download for free. Um, and they're very simple. I'm such a teacher at heart that I want to like, if I teach you this and you can do it very quickly and in the moment, you'll do it. If I say, oh, here, go to my website and download a 30 minute meditation. No, chances are not so good you're going to get it. So you can go to the number four, copingskills.com. Just put your name and email address in there, and you'll have four things you can start doing right now. If you're a parent, I would please ask you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Play with them, learn them, find which ones work for you. Then you can start teaching them to your kids. But take care of yourself first. Yeah. But please do teach them to your kids because they need it. They need it now more than ever. Oh, thank you so much, Stephanie. This has been such a fun uh, conversation. I hope we can continue this new friendship. And um, I just have to ask you one question. How'd you get that voiceover gig? Well, what the... um, Please move your bananas. 
Oh, I did all I did all kinds of radio and TV voiceovers when I was down in South Florida. I had my own little side business doing voiceovers. I love it. I love it. You'll have to listen to the Siri podcast I did because she had yes. a really uh, interesting story about how she got that. And and you and Siri are now probably two of the most uh, familiar voices that we hear <laughs> out there. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Thank Connie. you. It's been my honor, and I love to say I have a new soul sister. Thank you yes, so much. Yes, thank you. Have a great day. Namaste. Namaste. Back to Happy, A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com.